Before we get going with this week's show, a word from our friends at Santa Anita Park and the Ship and Win program. $5,000 bonus for out-of-state horses, 35% purse bonus to horses' earnings in its initial start, whether they finish first, second, third, fourth, or fifth. Horse must have made their last start outside of California and have not started inside California in the last 12 months, and first-time starters and stakes horses are not eligible for the program. If you got a horse from out of town, be sure to take a look at Santa Anita Park and its Ship and Win program. Many more details over at SantaAnita.com. Now, on to this week's show. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, March the 21st, 2022. It is episode 108 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find it many, many different ways. Basically, wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. If you watch over on YouTube, search Bar Matt Bernier Show, you will get this episode along with the 107 prior. And as always, however you listen, please rate, review, subscribe, bell icon, make sure it's lit up over on YouTube. That way, that way, that way, blah, blah, blah. that way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. This week's show is going to be extremely lean, extremely lean. There wasn't much to talk about from last weekend. The good news is now we're into the thick of it. The first 100-point Kentucky Derby prep comes up this Saturday down at the fairgrounds in New Orleans. It's going to be the Louisiana Derby. Not a giant field. You've only got nine three-year-olds that are going to go a mile and three-sixteenths. Another reason that this is one of the more intriguing derby preps before we get to Louisville. This will be the farthest, at least in the United States, that any of these three-year-olds will navigate as far as the distance is concerned uh, before the mile and a quarter the first Saturday in May at Churchill Downs. So I'm going to go through horse by horse. Won't take a great deal of time because, honestly, I think it's a pretty top-heavy race. But we'll go through the field of three-year-olds going a mile and three-sixteenths in the TwinSpires.com Louisiana Derby coming up on Saturday. We'll wrap things up with a look ahead to the next round of NCAA tournament games, give you some projections, possibly a couple of bets. Yes, on this show last week, I said I'm giving out and I'm putting a little ticket in, a future ticket, on the Iowa Hawkeyes to win the national championship. And sure enough... They got bounced by the 12-seeded Richmond Spiders in the first round. I just could not have predicted that that Iowa would go 21% from three. Just was not ever a consideration, given the way that they had come into it, given what the model had suggested. You know what, though? The beauty of it is that's why we bet on games. So you're not totally out of it. When one bet fails, that doesn't mean that you just stop entirely. You got more games that you can play. Had a lot of luck the first weekend. I think it went five and one. In my plays four and one, five and one. So good start there. Had a couple of in-game looks. That if you're following me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt, suggestions. Maybe you wanted to look at one. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. It's entirely up to you. Uh, but I'll be doing much of the same as we go forward. But that's how we'll wrap up this week's show. Taking a look at the next round of the tournament. Offer you some projections through my model. Uh, but let's start with some horse racing. Before we get into this, though. A word from our friends at Sam Houston Race Park, because this coming Saturday is a big, big day. Not just because there's an NHC qualifier coming up on March the 26th, in which 
$1,000 entry fee. It's all bankroll. You keep what you have left. Tour points will be available, and the top two finishers will win all expenses paid trips to next year's National Horse Players Championship out in Las Vegas. More details on that contest over on shrp.com. But it's also Texas Champions Day. So not only do you have a great contest at Sam Houston Race Park on Saturday, you're going to have great racing all day as well. And typically, as someone who's played in a fair share of contests, Um, maybe some of you have never tried before and this will be your first time through. Um, it's always nice when you have good races that coincide with the contest. Unfortunately, there have been times in the past for a myriad of reasons why or where you have had a contest coinciding with either terrible weather, short fields, this, that, or the other, and you you just, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. It's nice when you've got good racing, you've got good horses running, and that's all happening at Sam Houston Race Park on Saturday, March the 26th. That's this Saturday. You're going to get Texas Champions Day and the NHC qualifier. At probably similar time, you'll be able to watch while you're at Sam Houston, the ongoing racing at the fairgrounds. And race number 12 is the Louisiana Derby. It's a 100-point derby prep. Now, I say it's the first domestic prep race worth 100 points. That's because earlier in the day, out at Maidan in Dubai, you're going to have the 100-point UAE Derby. You're also going to have a race out at Nakayama in Japan. And then the following day, and I'm not going to talk about it here, but you're going to have the 50-point Sunland Derby. It's a pretty light field. Uh, Slow down Andy's going to be a prohibitive favorite. I don't think he's particularly strong. Do with that what you will. That's a fun race. You can find analysis for that race in a million different spots. I'm focused on this one because the top two finishers, in all likelihood, will secure their starting spot in the Kentucky Derby. And you've already got a big horse in here who has his points in epicenter. We'll get to him. Again, I'm going to take him right in post-position order. Uh, Give you what I would deem fair odds from a win standpoint on each one of these runners and give you a little bit of a blurb about each. So we'll take them right in order. Here we go. The number one, Silent Power. Made them 99 to 1. Give them a 1% chance of winning. Uh, This is a horse stretching out in distance significantly. From a speed figure standpoint, seems to be up against it. From a running style standpoint, seems to be up against it. I don't mean to be rude. Just seems like you would need so many things to happen. Unforeseen things. For Silent Power, never mind to win, to get a piece of this thing. Silent Power to me is a total pass. The two is Zozos. Now, I was on Howard Kravitz's podcast earlier, or at the end of last week, the HHH Racing Pod. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Howard's over on YouTube. Search bar, you'll find it. And you can listen anywhere you listen to your podcast. He brought up Zozos, and I I said, I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. Uh, I've been a little bit of that at the loop. A lot of hockey, a lot of college hoops, a lot of NBA, all sorts of different stuff going on. I had no idea who the hell Zozos was. Well, now I see him in the past performances. I go through, look at that Oaklawn race. I see the fig. I go, okay, yeah, you know, promising enough. I see the pedigree. I go, face value, a little sprinty. But we'll take a look. I pull up the tape for that Oaklawn race. And it's visually, it's stunning. It's a really, really strong stretch performance. Having said that, you have to take into consideration how he finished and why he finished that way. Zozos is a son of Munnings out of a forestry mare. There is a lot of sprint in this pedigree. Stretches out to two turns for the first time. The pace based on the Timeform US pace fix is not slow. It's glacial. 
82, 81, 87, and this horse is a length and a head off. I mean, they're walking out there. So he had every right to have something left in the tank for the stretch run. Now, he put 10 lengths on the field in effectively a quarter mile. Not easy to do. Takes a good racehorse, or maybe it takes a terrible field. Probably a combination of the two, but for what it's worth, the seventh place finisher that day came back and won next out with a 91 buyer. So I don't think it's a total disaster of a field. He looked exceptional winning that race. Then I said, well, let me go back and watch the debut at the fairgrounds, going shorter, see what that looked like, because he rallied from off of it. There was a much hotter pace signed on that day. He never changed leads, but he defeated a couple of next out winners, second and third place finishers. They came back, broke their maidens with 74 and 72 buyers. The eighth place finisher came back and finished second with an 85 buyer in the next race. So while visually the sprint race wasn't nearly as striking as the route race, clearly the horse can run. In great hands with Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. My only fear, and and this can go a few different ways. On figs, he's a little bit light, but he's proving that he can run. When confronted with a much faster pace, how does he finish? Not only how does he finish, but factoring in that he's stretching out an eighth of a mile. And this will be his third start in two months. They're asking a lot of this horse in a very short amount of time. The talent seems to be there. But what happens when he has to go a longer distance with what you can't help but think is going to be a faster pace? Zozos is the sort of horse that if he were going to be 8-1, to one, which I believe is his morning line, which I don't think there's a chance that that happens, he's interesting. I made him 3-1 to one for fair odds. And I'm acknowledging and I'm saying it right now. That's based on everyone else in this field. If I thought there were other legitimate contenders, he probably floats up a little bit simply because he's going to have to do a number of things for the first time. But if you believe the tape, that last run at Oakland was sensational. I'm a little dubious just based on the dynamics and how that whole thing played out that that's why he was able to kick on the way that he was. He sat just off. It was a beautiful trip. It was a great ride. Sat just off an absolutely glacial, glacial pace. And then when Flo gave him a couple cracks, he kicked away, and he looked really good. He finished full of run, big gallop out. Mile in the 16th, stretching out to a mile in three sixteenths, going to be chasing a faster pace, and I'm waiting for that Munnings and Forestry blood to kick in. There are a number of question marks, but if you want potential and upside, Zozos is probably it. The only other thing I'll throw out about Zozos before we move on, 92 buyer in that most recent run, 70 buyer in the debut. Giant difference, 22 points. Timeform US, when you look at the pace-adjusted number, keep in mind, he chased a fast pace in the sprint, and he stalked a snail's pace in the route. Pace-adjusted, 98 in the debut, 99 in the second start. It's not a bad thing, but it's acknowledging that he's considerably slower based on those metrics than some of the other horses in this race. Zozos, I made him 3-1. to one. He's my second choice in this race. The three is Call Me Midnight. He's 6-1 to one in the morning line. I made him 15-1. to one. Uh, I thought the LeCompte could not have played out any better for him from a setup standpoint. The pace was hot and heavy. He came with a big run. He finished well, but he had the ideal scenario. And for that to 
present itself again seems unlikely. Doesn't look like there's a ton of speed in this race, in my opinion. I know Timeform US has a red bar indicating a fast pace. I'm not really seeing it. I think it could be very similar to what we saw in the Risen Star, unless Zozos is very aggressive out of there, uh, in which case maybe it does set up for Call Me Midnight. But I just thought he had everything go his way that day. If he wins, I will tip my cap and say I was wrong. I apologize. But for the time being, I need him to prove to me he can do it in less advantageous circumstances. I made him 15 to 1, calming midnight rallying from off the pace. Curly tail, I made him 99 to 1. Now again, when I bring up 99 to 1s, there are a few of them in here. And it's purely because there are a couple horses that I've given the vast majority of my 100 points when you go through and you make a fair odds line. Uh, Curly tail is a nice horse. Dallas Stewart has won. And, and even when they haven't won, they have fired big shots in big races at giant prices. So maybe Curly Tail is that kind of horse. The pedigree, you assume he wants to run seven miles. Um, I just think there's a lot going against him in a spot like this. And one of my favorite questions, sort of, when you're sitting there going through a race and you identify a few horses that have similar running styles, let's say you're looking for a closer. Is he even the best closer in the race? If he's not the best closer in the race... And he's going to be spotting lengths to the horses that are going to get a head start. Becomes that much more difficult to make a case for him. Curly tail, I made him 99 to 1. As did I with Kapuna. Goes out for Brett Calhoun. The most recent run. Ran into Cyberknife. Cyberknife looks like it could be a decent one. Uh, the figs are light. Haven't seen a, an appreciable improvement as far as numbers are concerned. Uh, you've got a couple little incremental steps forward, but for all intents and purposes, horse just isn't fast enough to win in a race like this right now, but maybe second start, I say second start, second start going long at the fairgrounds, you know, you get a nice couple bullets in your back pocket if you're looking for a horse like this. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. I made him 99-1, to one. and again, I recognize it's not meant as a knock. It's just that there are other horses that I think offer more appeal in a spot like this. And with a fair odds line, it has to add up to 100. Keep in mind, I've already given Zozos 24, and we haven't even gotten to the six-horse epicenter, who we will now. He's 7-5 to five on the morning line. I made him 7-5. to five. That is 40%. So now between Zozos and epicenter, you have 65% of 100 gone. That's 35% for the other seven horses. So you see how quickly those numbers can just dwindle. Epicenter is, I think he's a good horse. I've been a fan of him from day one. Uh, anyone who's listened to the show before has heard me wax poetic. The last two runs are what scare me about this horse. He worked really hard in the LeCompte. He ran the best race. There was no doubt in my mind. I said it after that. I said it leading into the Risen Star. I said he's, he's way the horse to beat. I bet him early in the week. He wins for fun. The Risen Star, he gets a much more moderate pace setup. And with a more moderate pace setup, you see what he's capable of. Very similar to what we saw in the Gunrunner three starts back. Moderate pace wins by open lengths. Moderate pace in the Risen Star wins by open lengths. Hot pace in the LeCompte puts away all the other speeds, gets run down by a horse that things set up very well for him. I don't want to say that he he's certainly not dependent on a setup to win. Because he ran a winning race in the LeCompte. But it has to be acknowledged that to this point, and, and frankly, the way the race looks like it sets up on paper, I don't see any reason for him to not be on the lead. 
in all likelihood, I'll, first things first, I'll be stunned if he doesn't run well. But in all likelihood, you're going to get into the Kentucky Derby with a horse in Epicenter that we just, I have no idea if he would actually pass horses. He hasn't really had to, to this point. That's not his fault. But it's something to consider with a horse who, let's say he runs a big race on Saturday. He, I can almost guarantee you he's not going to make the lead in the Derby. With Forbidden Kingdom and some of these other speeds in there. Early voting, who we'll see in the Wood Memorial. Some of these other horses are legitimately fast early. Not that he is slow, but my point is, and I think you can understand my point. He's fast, but he's not like off the charts fast. So that's something to factor in, you know, eight weeks from now. But for now, you've got a horse that in all likelihood goes right to the front. We know that he likes the fairgrounds. I have no doubt that the distance is within his range. He's already got the mile and an eighth. Not worried about that. He, he's firing bullets. 59-3 and three on March 7th. 59-4 and four on March 14th. He just continues to, to look like what he's looked like all along. A quality racehorse. He's class. He's very good. If you'll remember back to the Risen Star, I thought there was a chance that the buyer's speed figure was a little bit high. Four to five points. If that's the case, then perhaps you're looking at a race that's a little bit more open than I'm suggesting it is. But I think Epicenter is squarely the horse to beat. I think it goes right to the front and says, come and catch me. And honestly, aside from Zozo, there's only another one. There's really one other horse that I could possibly see something happening, and we'll get to him in a bit. But Epicenter, to me, this is his race to lose. If Zozo goes and runs him down, so be it. If somebody else goes and runs him down, so be it. But he should have, I think, a setup similar to the Risen Star. And if that's the case, I think everybody else is probably in trouble. Pioneer of Medina. I, you know, I said it in that allowance race two back that he won. He earned the 80 buyer. I said he just plugged along. Visually, I wasn't all that impressed. And then he came back, and he actually ran quite well in the Risen Star. But there's nothing in that race last out in the middle of February for me to project that he's all of a sudden going to go and beat Epicenter. I just, I just don't... He had a pretty good trip. He was sitting just off of him, and Epicenter ran away from him. I, I, it's my belief that Pioneer of Medina is not as talented right now as Epicenter. Maybe down the road he will be. But it's hard for me to make a case for him. He's 5-1 to one on the morning line. I made him 12-1. to one. Galt for Bill Mott, Junior Alvarado. One of the horses that went down in the Fountain of Youth. Two starts back in the Holy Bull. He had just come out of a maiden score. Goes right to the front. Fades a little bit at the end. Finishes fourth. Earns an 89 buyer. Jumped up substantially on the buyer scale from a 67 to an 89. Timeform US didn't have the improvement nearly that high. Had him go from a 93 to a, to a 100. I suppose you can look at the, the form of the Holy Bull and say it was flattered a little bit by simplification coming back and winning the Fountain of Youth. Seventh place finisher also was a next out winner on Synthetic with an 82. I believe that was Tiz the Bomb. I, I, I still don't know really what to do with Galt. I think it is a vote of confidence that they come here and they want to run in a spot like this. I'm not convinced he is of this caliber at this point anyway. Uh, but similar to the idea with Zozo's, if you're looking for a bit of an unknown, he's not exposed yet. I think some of these other ones have been exposed for what they are. Galt 
perhaps there is a big forward move in him. I'm dubious. I made him 12 to 1 simply on the fact that I could be entirely wrong, and maybe he does jump up in a big way. I'm not expecting it, but perhaps it happens. And then the outside horse. Oh, what are we going to do with Rattle and Roll for Kenny McPeak? Loved him going into the Fountain of Youth. Thought he was actually the horse to beat. He said if he runs back to his breeder's futurity, if that's any kind of an indication of what he could be, that was arguably faster on some scales than what some of the three-year-olds going into the Fountain of Youth had earned. So if he can just come back and replicate that, he's in with a chance. And going into the far turn, he cruises right up. He's got a beautiful pocketed up spot down on the inside. And then it was like he just stopped running. I, I, I can't think of another run that was so confusing. Because how'd you go from looking so good to just stopping? That, to me, is usually not a good sign. Then maybe he needed the race. He came back and he worked 5.8 and 58-4. and four. That's going to look fantastic on paper. You can go on to XBTV and watch the actual workout itself. He worked with a horse called Smile Happy. It's my opinion. Anyone, you, you look, you use your eyes, use your judgment. Watching that workout from March 19th, to me, there's no question who the better horse is. Smile Happy, relatively comfortably, is the best horse between these two. Now, that's not to say the rattle and roll is a bum. I, I, I've said before, I'll say it again, I think there's a real, real chance that Smile Happy is just the best three-year-old, period. But Rattle and Roll had to work a little bit to keep up with Smile Happy. And that's the final tune-up for this spot. This is also going to be his first start, or I should say his second start, really, in 21 days. McPeak's numbers, past four years, dirt, 1 to 21 days between starts, second start off a 145-day layoff or greater. 1 for 14, only two of them have hit the board, 37 cent ROI. I get it. It's not a huge sample size to be drawing conclusions from. Only 14. Uh, but with only two of them running, when I say running, hitting the board, uh, it's a bit of a concern to me. I think the horse, I still want to believe that what I saw as a two-year-old, and again, it has been brought up and it's totally fair at this point, that the Breeders Futurity looks like a bad race. So maybe he just looked good beating bad horses. Entirely possible. But I'm just, the numbers from McPeak with this sort of a move, watching the tape of that most recent workout, granted it was with a horse who would probably be the favorite in this race if he were in here, smile happy. Uh, rattle and roll, I made him 8-1 to one just because he's a bit of an unknown to me coming into this spot. So where do I land? Uh, unfortunately, I, I usually try to do something creative give you some intriguing opinions that maybe you didn't come up with or you overlooked or whatever it may have been. Um, I'm Captain Obvious here. I think Epicenter goes right to the front and says, come and catch me, and I don't think anybody does. If anyone does, I think it's Zozos because of what he looks like on tape, and he's just slightly raced. He's got a lot, a lot going against him because he's doing so much in a short amount of time, and he had a candy trip in that most recent run at Oaklawn. But I do think, I think there's a possibility that he's a serious racehorse. That pedigree also scares the hell out of me, as far as a mile and three sixteenths goes. And then, 
I'd be lying if I said I didn't want Rattle and Roll to run well, because I think he's a good horse, but I've been wrong before. I could be wrong again. There you have it. The Louisiana Derby. It's a grade two. Mile and three sixteenths on Saturday from the fairgrounds. Let me know your opinion of this race beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Not just your opinion of the race. How are you going to play it? Are you going to put together an exacta, a cold try? Are you just going to hammer Epicenter to win? Are you going to do something crazy? You look at it and say, it's call me midnight. He's not getting respect. He already beat Epicenter on the square. He's the winner. Let me know. And everybody else beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Now let's get into it very briefly. We'll take a look at the next round of NCAA tournament games, hopefully give you a couple of winners. Let's wrap up episode 108, taking a look at the next round of the NCAA tournament. Four games on Thursday, four games on Friday. Just going to burn right through them. The numbers and lines may change by the time you end up making a play or whatever it may be. I will let you know the two plays that I have already made out of these eight games. Arkansas 74, Gonzaga 84. I've got the Zags winning by 10. That number at the moment I'm seeing it nine. Uh, as far as the over-under is concerned, the total is 154 and a half. Uh, obviously, my number there has got you out at 158, so that would be an over, but it, it's only marginally, so I wouldn't be recommending that. Michigan 66, Villanova 71. That's a five-point differential. The spread right now is five. The total is 135. I got you at 137. Again, not enough for me to make a play on the total. Texas Tech 71, Duke 69 Texas Tech right now I've got as a one-point favorite, but that could certainly be moving more toward a pick. The total is at 137. I've got you at 140. So again, not enough of an edge for me as far as an over-under kind of play is concerned. Houston and Arizona, I've got Arizona winning 73 to 72 over Houston. Houston is currently a two-point underdog. So if you really wanted to make a play there, maybe that's the way that you would go. Again, the margins are a little bit light for my liking. The total is 145 and a half. I've got it at 145 on the nose. So again, totally pass. And I say 145 and a half. It's at 145. And my number's at 145. So it's a wash. We're not touching it. Move on to Friday. St. Peter's and Purdue. St. Peter's, great story. I think it comes to an end. Uh, at the end of the day, they are what they are. They're a 15 seed. Uh, I have St. Peter's scoring 59 points. Purdue, 73 uh, that number is what, 14? Spreads 12 and a half. Totals 136. That'll get you out to 132. Um, I guess you could play the under in that case. Uh, four is still a little light for my liking, but you could throw that out there if you're really so inclined. Providence and Kansas. I've got Kansas winning 75 to 67. The spread of that game is seven, so that's more or less right on the number. Not quite to 75, but that, you know, I have eight point difference opposed to seven. Uh, total, 141.5. I've got you out at 142. So pass on that. Here come the plays. North Carolina and UCLA. I have UCLA winning 76-71. to 71. That's a five-point difference. When I made the bet, the spread was 2.5, with UCLA being favored. Now the spread is 2, which makes it that much more intriguing to me if you were somebody that you know, patience is a virtue. I thought I was doing something sharp by getting in early. Uh, you can get a better number on it now. I think UCLA can cover that number. Uh, the total is 142. I've got the total of this game out at 147. This is one that I would certainly consider going over, but because I've already got a play lined up for UCLA covering the number, that's all I'm going to go with. So for me, UCLA minus two and a half against the Tar Heels. And then the last game, Iowa State, 
Miami. I have Iowa State winning outright, 69 to 68, but I took the two and a half points that you're getting. Iowa State is a two and a half point underdog at the moment. Looks like it could be moving to two here momentarily. The total is 133 and a half uh, as far as that's concerned. I've got it at 137. So, you know, four and a half point difference there. Not interested. You could be, you know, you could twist my arm. Maybe I would make a play and we'll find out how the games are going over the next few days. But um, that's what I'm looking at right now. So the two plays that I'm making between the Thursday, Friday games, not including anything that could happen in game. I've got UCLA minus two and a half over North Carolina, and I've got Iowa State plus two and a half against Miami. If uh, if you're getting a little bit greedy, you could take them outright. The money line is plus one twenty-five, uh, but I just I'd rather take the points when there's really not that much of a difference as far as the actual return is concerned. So uh, buy myself a couple of points because we have seen these kids miss free throws, take ridiculous shots, and pulling my hair out watching some of these pull-up threes when you've got numbers in transition. I'm like, what? Steph Curry is a blessing and a curse in that watching him is unreal and what he's capable of doing, a curse in that all these kids think that they're Steph Curry when he's a unicorn. He's one of a kind. And, you know, all these 19-year-old kids think that they can just pull up from half court and, you know, bang a three. Not that easy. You're not that good. Unfortunately, just reality. So there you have it. Let me know your thoughts about any of these games beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Uh, questions, comments, concerns beneath the video player on YouTube. And overall, thoughts, suggestions, things you'd like to tweak. I'm all ears. Always, 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 always open to hearing more of what you guys want to listen to and want to see as far as the pod is concerned. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you're over on YouTube, make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. And that's going to do it. Until next Monday for episode 108 of the show best of luck however you play whatever you play wherever you play i'll see you next monday with episode 109